0: This is a HeadGum Podcast.
1: Hello, this is Shade Anosie with the SNC Podcast. Join me bi-weekly as I talk with some of Nigeria's unique music producers and songwriters about their creative process and more. Follow us at the SNC Podcast on SoundCloud. Cheers.
2: We've all all been to cons cons with with diversity diversity panels. panels. Now, with your help, we will be able to go to a diverse con with inclusive panels and so much more.
3: Universal Fan Con will be a con for the fans, by the fans. With With a a focus focus on on diversity diversity and and inclusion.
2: inclusion. We're reaching out to fans from all levels of fandom. From the shining halo ring array, to the twisted mind of Jigsaw.
4: From the hallowed halls of Hogwarts to the inseparable Ehrlich Brothers. This This con con will have something
2: for everyone. everyone. We're calling on our fellow fans, disabled fans, LGBTQ fans...
3: Native American, Asian American, African American, Latino American,
4: and all the other groups that coexist within this vast universe of fandom.
2: We We ask ask you you to to go to www.universalfancon.com. Again, that's www.universalfancon.com. And support the con we've all been waiting for. Thank Thank you. you. Hey, this is Steph Irwell. Join me by Weekly at the Lemonade for All Things Nerdy and Geeky, giving you all the sweet and sour notes from the nerd world, as well as my own special commentary to make this blend lemonade just right. Follow the lemonade at Audio Boon SoundCloud, Pie Bean at the Points of Interest Network, and I'll see you guys soon.
5: Hey, I'm Nick And
6: I'm Victor
2: And this is Megasheen Megasheen is a queer,
3: people of color, weekly podcast And we talk about anything from drag, to comics, to video games, to Boys And
5: anything else in between (laughs) (laughs) So, if you want to listen to us, we're on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud And you can follow us on Pod
2: and Megasheen on Twitter
4: that's right, so follow us, talk to us, we'll be here.
2: Yeah, we out. We
3: are the Lucas Pros, and we were just on Black Girl Nerd Podcast, and it's fantastic. And listen to it every every
7: day, every hour, because
0: they are awesome. My name is Alyssa Thompson, and I am the creator of the Disability 2Y hashtag, and the founder of Ref Your Voice. You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast.
8: This is Simone Missick, and I am Misty Knight, and
0: you are listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. I am Micheline
4: Hess. I'm the artist and writer of Malice in Ovenland and the Island Cats of Congaree, as well as the Anansi Kids Club and the All Saints Day Adventure. And you're listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast.
0: Hi, everyone. This is Samira Wiley from Oranges and New Black. I've got a couple things coming up. I'm going to be in a movie called 37 that I hope everyone goes and checks out. It's important. And I'm currently working on The Handmaid's Tale, which should be coming out next year, 2017. And you're listening to Black Girl Nerds Podcast.
4: Yeah, this is Louis Tan from Marvel's Iron Fist. Uh, this is Black Girl Nerds. You guys are amazing. I love you guys to death. Check out the podcast, check out the show. Let's get busy.
8: Hello, I'm Regina Hall, and you are listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast.
0: Hey, this is Gina Prince-Bicewood, and you are listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast.
7: This is Riley Ritchie, a.k.a. Jacob Anderson, a.k.a. Grey Worm from Game of Thrones, and you're listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast.
1: Of world to the DC friends, all the way from Hollywood to the PC and She defends everyone from sleazy men, won't apologize for finish shanda rhymes. The space that we make is never colonized. Talking games and movies and actors Words? Better shake your booties for black
6: girl nerds.
5: Better shake your booties for black girl nerds. Yeah. Better shake your booties for black girl nerds. Ha. Better
2: shake your booties for black girl nerds. Better shake. Booties for Black Girl Nerds. Thanks for tuning in to episode 112 of the Black Girl Nerds podcast. My name is Jamie and I am your host. This episode is titled, It's Oprah and Karen Pittman. Two segments. In our first segment, this is a milestone for us. We got Oprah Winfrey. Yes. That's right. Oprah Winfrey joins us along with the rest of the cast of Henrietta Lacks, the new movie premieres on HBO April 22nd. And we talk about the film and a roundtable interview featuring several other press outlets about Henrietta Lacks and how this important story has made an impact on contemporary modern day medicine. That segment is featuring co-host KB. In our second segment, we interview actress Karen Pittman. You may remember her as Inspector Priscilla Ridley on Marvel's Luke Cage. This is a one-on-one interview featuring yours truly and co-host Karan. We talk about, obviously, Luke Cage. And we get very personal with Karen, talking about things like motherhood and the impact of what Black Girl Nerds has had on her life and her daughter's life. So that's it. Two segments, two magnificent segments, I should say, that is going to be inspiring and impactful for you in a lot of different ways. And I think that this is the one episode that's going to resonate with a lot of our listeners. So sit back, relax, take some notes, bookmark this, share it with everyone you know. If you have not done so already, please let everyone know about what the Black Girl Nerds podcast is all about. We're everywhere. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spreaker, Google Play Music, and Spotify. You can go to blackgirlnerds.com and read editorials on our site each and every day. And if you do feel so inclined to support us financially, go to Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash blackgirlnerds. So enjoy this unforgettable episode. This episode that will resonate and be indelibly printed in the ears and minds of everyone everywhere. BGN 112, it's Oprah and Karen Pittman. Enjoy. The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks is an HBO film that premieres April 22nd. The film is directed by George C. Wolfe and starring Oprah Winfrey. It is based on the book of the same name by Rebecca Skloot and documents the story of Henrietta Lacks, who was diagnosed with cervical cancer in the 1950s. In this segment, features Oprah Winfrey, George C. Wolfe, Rose Byrne, Renee Elise Goldsberry, Courtney B. Vance, Rocky Carroll, and Reg E. Kathy. Yes,
5: <laughs> ma'am. <laughs> oh, my God. Has this ever happened before? <laughs> now, I'm from Guy post. Brooklyn. Okay.
1: Hi, I'm Lillian with the Hubby Post?
2: Danielle from The Root. The Root. Yes. KB from Black Girl Nerds. Black Girl Nerds!
6: <laughs> <laughs> I got
0: I that. Go. I'm <laughs> KB from Bustle and also Jamaica. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm Ariana from Refinery29, Refinery29. Formerly Oprah Magazine.
6: Yes! <laughs> yes.
2: Uh, yeah, I
1: am Shamika Sanders from HelloBeautiful.com.
2: I'm Cherise Frazier from HelloBeautiful.com. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm Sydney Smith. Scott from Essence and I'm Ramide Tanibu from Shadow and Act and Jet.
6: Wow. Yeah. Uh, where's, where's Ebony? Where's the black Everybody here from Ebony? Where is Ebony? 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 <laughs> Jett is
0: here. Ebony and me.
5: is here? Jett. Jett is here. Oh, very
4: good.
5: <laughs> All right, good. All right, who, who's in charge? Well, she was like, <laughs> recording. Okay. Who's in charge of you this? You are in charge. Yes. All right. All right. I'll be, who's in charge Nicole? call? Am I in charge? No, you're not in charge. But these guys are asking you questions. You guys have twenty minutes. Okay, great. Twenty minutes. How many y'all there? This ain't no twenty minute group. How uh, <laughs> many of us up here? How you gonna make twenty minutes? <laughs> We're on that okay. time. Okay, so whatever There's you 20, say. Right. So you play Deborah Lax, and there is something that she says that I think is really just profound. She's, when she's talking to uh, Rose, she's saying um, that if she had been a writer, you know, then she could write the book herself. Yeah. But she doesn't have those
2: kind of skills. Yeah. And if the Lax family had been able to get some compensation,
5: From what from the Gila cells, then perhaps she could have had that future. So, how much did that play into why you wanted to bring the story of Deborah Lacks and Henrietta Lacks to to life? Great question. Twenty minutes. Twenty minutes. (laughs) (laughs) How much of it? This is a deal. I worked in Baltimore as a young reporter um, from the time I was 22 to 30. I lived in the city, I went to church every Sunday, Bethel AME, 8 o'clock service, because 11 o'clock was too full, and uh, been to Hopkins many times. I am a student of the African American culture. I grew up reciting uh, Langston Hughes and County Cullen and Margaret Walker and um, Sojourner Truth. I had never in all of my readings and all of my stories ever heard of Gila, or Henrietta Lacks. I thought I could not believe that. How could I have been in this town all the time and never seen one thing to her? So when I first read the story in 2010, uh, I wanted to tell the story because it is my nature to share everything. When I was a kid living on this place in Mississippi on a dirt road, every time I got a candy bar, I'd wait for my cousins to come along to share it. Uh, Book club, share. If I find a good donut, a good
4: biscuit. <laughs> a good pumpkin pie. A good pumpkin pie, a good pizza, whatever it is, I want to
5: share it. I just can't keep it to myself. I want everybody else to know about it. So I wanted as many people to know about the story as possible. That's how it came about. And I wanted people, and so now you do. Now you do. And to go off of that, and this is
1: questions for you, <coughs> and also for you, George and Renee, if you'd like to jump in. But I really want to focus on Henrietta's blackness, her being a black woman, and her growing, being you know, born in and, and raised in Jim Crow, um, and the fact that she, a black woman went on to help save the lives of millions of people, you know, and at the time probably people who probably would have rather
8: died than have herself in her,
1: right? Um, so I wanted to talk about, you know, what did you find most empowering about Henrietta? Considering that she was a black woman and the experiences that
4: she went through at the time. Well, the the, the, the thing which is what's what's interesting there's the, the scenes in the movie where she's feeding the, her relatives and taking them in and taking care of them. So, see that's when you when you speak about Dream Crow, it's easy to, it's it's important to, to talk about the injustice of it, but equally as important is to talk about how the community fortified itself. Mm-hmm. Because it's like if you're not gonna feed me, I'm gonna make sure I feed myself and everybody else. And 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 and, and Henrietta was part of that dynamic of I'm gonna take care, there's an opportunity for me, I'm gonna take care of the I'm gonna make sure as many people have this opportunity. So intrinsic seemingly in her DNA was this incredible sense of responsibility, and caring, and feeding, and nurturing. And, and, and so that therefore then, the cells come along, and they're continuing to do the exact same thing. And one of the things that I love, really, really, really conceptually love, is that on paper, you would look at Henrietta Lacks. She's marginally educated. She's a black woman, as in Jim Crow's South. She has five children when she's 31, so on paper, you would go, oh, no power. Mm-hmm. And in death, <laughs> mm-hmm. any time HeLa cells came into contact with any other cells, they'd go, mm-hmm. I'm in charge. <laughs> so that power, so I was just, I, I still to this day, it is so astonishing me how powerful, you know, the biotech industry, which in essence exploited and has turned into a billion dollar industry, Started <laughs> with Henrietta Lax's cells. Mm. The biotech industry did not exist. Mm. It didn't mm. exist prior to Gila. Mm. So you have this, this extraordinary woman who, 31 was entirely too young for her to die. 99 would be entirely too young for her to die. And that power of who she was just continues and lives on. This is so exciting. I'm going live on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs>
6: exactly.
5: Oh, Courtney right. <laughs> 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 Mary, My girl, magic. Courtney Davis. Hello, how are you? <laughs> very good. All right, very good. All right, so let's continue with your questions. <laughs> well, I'll
1: say yeah, it I, um, I, love that. Um, I feel like you know, stepping into her body, stepping into the reality that you know we we see this woman who knows something's wrong with her, and she doesn't live. I mean, that's scary right now. <laughs> Right. As a mother, right now, the idea that something—I mean—we're always like, "What? What was that?" I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. The idea that something's wrong with me always scares me. When I have little children, mm-hmm. I mean, there's nothing more frightening. And and there's this scene where she walks into John Hopkins Hospital. In front of the largest white Jesus you could ever <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
6: You know what I mean? That is a big you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't
1: take a tremendous amount of, you know, kind of acting prowess to experience how small that would make you feel. And I love the bravery with which she does that. Yeah. I love the bravery with which she moves through the the biggest nightmare anyone yeah. can imagine. Yeah. And that I think informs me about the bravery that my grandmother must have mm-hmm. had. Mm-hmm. And you know that that that's that's what inspires me. That's what I want all of us to take from this. It's like you know, is to like is to embrace mm-hmm. the idea that these women were
4: powerful,
1: not victims. Yeah, precisely. They're powerful,
4: and well, look good doing it. And
6: we're, <laughs>
7: <laughs> and we're talking about a world uh, that, that predated web.com or where you could self diagnose, or or go on the internet and get a sense of what. You know, when, when a, a, a person in a uniform or a person in a white coat said to you, yes. you that was law. It was gospel. Mm-hmm. If a doctor told you you were sick or a doctor said you needed this treatment, you accepted because that person in the white coat was God. I mean, uh, so that was the era that you lived in as well. Mm-hmm. So as, as far as the the, the the movie deals with not only the treatment of, 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 of uh, Henrietta, but of her sister and the, and the mental institutions, mm-hmm. but this was an era that you lived in. When somebody in a white coat told you something, it was law. It was gospel. So mm-hmm. the fact that this was buried for so long, uh, it, 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 it it's astonishing, but it makes sense to me as well, because you didn't question what a doctor said.
4: Mm-hmm. Right.
7: And so that, that was also a very important part of this of this storytelling.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to ask about um, the idea of having a white savior. I talked to Courtney a little bit about this this morning, um, around the idea of, especially the parallel of now being in Black Lives Matter movement and people often wanting other voices to be a part of the movement as well, but then also protesting said voices when they jump up to be a part of it. So I just want to know, like, the parallel between that and having someone like you, you know, playing Rebecca flute mm-hmm. to come in and have to tell that story and then deal with their separate pains and blockages of being able to push that forward.
6: Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, <I> think- <laughs>
4: why I'm
9: Australian. Exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm Yeah, that is different. Everybody well. yeah. know, that is different. To know <laughs> Just to let you know. Um, but you know, what's unique about this story, I think, is that it's from the perspective of a young, naive white girl, who's very naive. She's 27 at the time when she embarks on this story. She's from Portland, Oregon. Okay, like she's got no experience with the african american culture admittedly if you talk to rebecca and then from from an african american woman an older african american woman that on this very unusual experience they have together and the question of the like the white savior was something we t- discussed day one mm-hmm. you know and it's complicated and complex and it's something that i really leaned on george and oprah for cuz it's not i you know it's um a, we wouldn't you know, Rebecca wrote the book. She got it. She it was her doggedness and determination, and her obsession with it. That you know is one of the reasons we're here. One of the reasons. But um, but it was. A, it's a complicated thing, that I very much leaned on these guys to to understand, to navigate delicately, and um, and it's still complicated. You yeah. know. And but also I
4: think. But also I think it's it's like it's like it's like nobody's waiting. I mean. There's something that happens when Rebecca. Okay, the (laughs) camera. There's something that happens. There's there's, there's something that happens when when Rebecca meets a tornado. Mm -hmm. That is Deborah Lacks, and and many and one of the (laughs) Yeah. And and and. despite all the things that has happened to Deborah, she does not view herself as a victim, nor is she without power, nor is she without agency. What she doesn't have is access. Mm-hmm. And also when she says, at one point in the movie, she says, so keep on being a white, so you keep on being white. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So to me, it, I, I, it was very important to me that, you know, it's very important that it's not imitation of life. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want any of that money, I just want the biggest funeral Har- Harlem's ever seen. Yes. I'm that line from that movie? You just go like, oh, really? Go for the money, you can buy your own funeral, you know? And uh, it's just like, not a good decision. So, uh, so, you know, you can buy a church, with that pancake recipe, you know what I mean? And, and, and so to me, I think they went on a journey together and, and 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 one of the things that I thought was very interesting is that Deborah is Deborah and Deborah the whole family is, but Deborah is testing her. She says, "Come on, let's go hang out with Zakaria." Yes. <laughs> and right. if you can survive <laughs> <then, laughs> that, and that will be that. Wasn't she said, Reg Kathy
5: God. Oh, yeah. right.
4: So, so she's testing her. Mm-hmm. If there's not high, you're white, so therefore I trust yes. you like the white coat. Right. It's like. Let me go send you to the family. (laughs) Let the family torture you for a little bit to see if you can survive that. You survive that, then let me torture you for a little bit. Then let family torture you. So it was a series of obstacles that she has to get back. And also, Deborah also has this sense of, and sometimes I have a little anxiety that might erupt and therefore, the trust that I have for you today might not be there tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, uh, so for to me, I think it's a it's a much more mercurial, complicated, and hopefully, on some level, dangerous relationship. Courtney Ban, speaking. I just, I just, I just <laughs> want to remind
3: everyone that we have 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and in that, and, and in that, I, I would I would like to just gently say, Oprah. I, I, I love the fact that it was a white girl who brought us to this, this, to this, <laughs> this wonderful, you know, to ourselves. <laughs> we, we couldn't do it somehow ourselves, <laughs> and it, it really speaks to me how wh- how much we need each other. It's instead of going, why did a white person have to do this? Because it's like you know, when we're children, the, all the children play together. They don't yes. they don't separate and segregate themselves. Until they learn that black people over here, the Muslim people over Kids here, learn behavior. Learn behavior. I, 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 you know, we just to see the movie to see these two women come together, and to uh, you know, when your was it your uncle that that when you put the hand of Jesus on that you? That was my cousin. That's, that's what I said. Your cousin. <laughs> you yeah. he didn't hear me right. <laughs> <laughs> <That's
6: my> cousin. <laughs> your, your cousin.
3: Put, I mean, that that brought you back to yeah. that that place where. Where we're all one, and that's what we're trying to get to. and I, I'm done. I'm done. Okay. we only no. have twenty
5: minutes. We're going to end this, and um, uh, it premieres oh. April 26th uh, and the, Yeah, <laughs> it's and over. How <laughs> oh, oh. <my laughs> <God. God. laughs> did that
6: happen? I, do. I, I think, do do
2: do. think well, then you then said go. one word, yeah. and then it was over. That's it. You said one word, and then it ended as you said the first word. Your
0: phone. Your phone knew you were trying to end it.
8: didn't
5: Well Yes. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, you did read the book before I hadn't heard the story. What
8: place did you have to tap into to play your character and get into that role?
5: Well, I don't have a lot of rage. I have a lot of anger. Uh, so it was a lot of tapping. I had to pull it up from my kneecaps. Um, I've done a lot of healing on myself being on the Oprah show every day. It really was an effective space for me uh, to learn a lot about myself and life and people and dysfunction. And so... Uh, I've said this many times before. I would not have done this movie without George Wolf. I've said it with him in the room and without him being in the room. We love you, George. <laughs> we love you. <laughs> it's the reason why Courtney Vance came, flew overnight on a red eye to come in and to do that One role. One day of shooting. One day of shooting. Turned around and went yeah. back. It's the reason why Courtney Vance is here now. Because we all, lo- yeah. every actor in the world, loves George Wolf. So when uh, Audra and I were trying to do a play together and it didn't work out, Audra S- McDonald, McDonald, yeah, I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Audra said to me, "You must work with George." <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> and, uh, and she's right. Every actor wants to work with George Wolf. She said, "Because Geor- George makes you better." It's like having your own personal director therapist uh, excavating for you, helping you to go deeper, richer, make you broader, wider. Think about why you're doing that, why you're saying that, why would you move that way. And so that was the experience that I was looking for. And even in a hundred and four degree heat, standing out in that crazy ass car, right. yeah, I would say you're doing it because of George. George. <laughs> so I I'd walk in, I'd go, how you doing, George? Was it oh, was good.
7: A dead people place. Yes. A place that smelled like. Oh dead no! People. The, yeah, when we did our scene. We did, that day, we
5: did our scene, and and and. Walked into that room, I go, nobody breathes because (coughs) there is so much mold in here that if we, 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 yeah, so we walk in the door and then hold our breath and then walk out. Yeah, right? It was great. It was was
9: glamorous. (laughs) (laughs) No, and
5: we we, we, listen, my God, Reg had just won an Emmy, and so I'm always so intimidated. So intimidated, but we finished the scene, and Reg goes, We did some acting right there. (laughs) We finished
6: that we just acted our No, I do.
5: Reg would go, it's in there, Joel. It's in there somewhere. It's in
4: there. You can find it in there somewhere. Let's do it again. So I
0: actually have a question. Oh, I'm sorry. I have a question for the
2: both of you. So the story really hinges very heavily on the relationship between Dale Um, And Rebecca, and these two women are on this journey for very different reasons. I mean, you want to know more about your mother, and she just wants to know more about Henrietta Lacks and her, you know, um, contribution to the scientific community. So, what do you think that Dale learns about herself on this journey with Rebecca, and what do you think the challenges are between the two of them?
3: That's a deep question.
5: Okay. The okay. so journey in the first place is because she really wants to know about herself. That's what everybody is. You want to know about your mother, you want to know about your mother, your grandmother, you really want to know about yourself. You're trying to find, how does that give me a bottom? How does that give me a center? So the journey for her is to discover herself, and by learning about her mother, she discovers herself. And um, this relationship becomes her balm, her solace, her comfort. There is a tape that the real Rebecca has that where you can hear her husband pull him in the background saying, Rebecca, she on medicine. And uh, Deborah agrees with him. And I think that in the end, that's what gave her a sense of peace and why she was able to leave the planet because she knew it had been done. Mm -hmm. The real work that she'd come to do, the real work that she'd need to resolve within herself had been finished and completed through that relationship uh, with, with with Rebecca, and it did become a friendship of sorts, as much of of a friendship as she, a black woman isolated mostly from white people, uh, being uh, disregarded by white people, disrespected by white people, as close as she could come to having a relationship, be a friendship with 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 Rebecca. She yeah. had, don't you think?
9: I do, and I, yeah, I think for Rebecca, it's. She's shared some more candid stuff with me in personal context that is private, obviously, but is again the source of why she was driven to do this specific story. I mean, she, we t- we touch on it in the film is that her father was also a research subject in in a in a in a, in a, in a hospital. And whoa, what is that? That's for sound I I think. Oh, uh, I oh. think um, oh. Thank God. <laughs> I think, yeah. their, their relationship is incredibly unusual, and I think it became a huge source of motivation. And they relied on one another. And the greatest tragedy for Rebecca is that Deborah's not here just to, to be yeah. part of it. Yeah. Because yeah. She, yeah. she wanted Oprah to play her in the movie, <laughs> right. and she said it from the start. And like to have this dream come true for this woman—that's you know so. For her, it's still a, a huge tragedy that she's not here to share it because yeah. without Deborah, yeah. she wouldn't have had she wouldn't have had this this book done.
4: So, and also one of the things I think is really great is they help each other cross boundaries that they would not cross. Absolutely. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, Deborah gets get, can walk into walk into places, can walk into Crownsville, mm-hmm. can walk into these places. Rebecca inspires herself, knocking on the door. And then walking in and there's this wonderful there's one moment where where Lawrence comes in and there's this brief moment where you subtly alter your body, you know, and, and it's it's people navigating and negotiating differences. Mm. And I think they learn how to do it with each other mm. and they do it and then they cross and invade each other's worlds. Mm. Which is a you know, it's a lovely good thing to do. Mm-hmm. George, <laughs> sure,
1: I had a question for you. I'm wondering, you know, the family has been through a lot already. How did you guys Walk that fine line of being respectful to the family, but
2: also making it dramatic enough for HBO.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Well, the family is drama. I mean, you know, I mean, it's like you know, high. This woman walks into a place called Johns Hopkins Hospital, and she doesn't come out alive. Mm -hmm. The hospital didn't kill her; the cancer killed her. But already, that's the dynamic. Then. Somebody knocks on their door, doesn't bother to explain why they are there, and then, in an offhand comment, somebody turns to you and says, "Your mother's been in outer space and in nuclear bombs, well, for which you can't even <laughs> comprehend." <laughs> My you know, in outer space. Yeah. you know, and so, and intrinsic is in that, which means, and her mother died in '51, and it's now it's the '70s. That's twenty years of no information. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I think is also really interesting about, because it's it's like Henrietta Lax died of cervical cancer, which means it happened down there, the period, women, you know what I mean? There's a, how to have, how, they wasn't going to have the conversation. Yeah. He wasn't going to have the equipment to have that conversation about 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 the privates. You know what I mean? It's it's there's all of this stuff. It's it's just secrets and secrets and things female are, problems. Female problems. <laughs> female problems. It's right. just been called female, female problems. problems. Yeah, she had female time. problems, yeah. and that was it. And so she nobody's died. going. To, so just the fact that withholding information from someone is a sin with personal information about them. I think is is. Is, is an incredible is an incredible sin. We yeah. all have a right to know. We all have a right to know, and I think you know to know as much as 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 we need to know. And the fact that Johns Hopkins kept information from the family is a sin. The fact that the people within the family kept counts, information yeah. away from her is a sin. But all families still do. Yeah. It. All families <laughs> do it. Oh my God! I used to think no just
5: problem. black people no.
4: and no, Australian, no. People. No. <laughs> <laughs> Australian people. <laughs> <laughs> How
5: all do the Australians <laughs> deal with secrets? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, but all my years on the Oprah show talk, I was always so surprised that white people are just as equally dysfunctional. Yeah. you know. And up until I started doing the show, I used to think, oh, they live like you know people do on television. But mm. it's true that most of the damage in families comes because of all the secrets Fits. that are being mm. held. Mm-hmm. And everybody has them. Yeah. It's in everybody's family.
4: I do think there was a one moment though. That one moment when we showed the, fam- the family the picture, and talked about. You talked about Zakaria and Sunny, and all of a sudden I'm sitting there and I'm going, I'm sitting right behind Zakaria, watching an actor play Zakaria, <laughs> <laughs> and, and then I got really like freaked out. I was like, then I was kind of you're like, oh wow, you know, it was it was a naked moment, but.
5: I was always uh, marveling at uh, uh, Reg's, uh, Reg and his um, ability to modulate the craziness of Zakaria, um, because the the and, and one of the things that moved me so much is in the film is that moment where where she hands where Deborah hands him the the pictures and he just sort of like taps her just a little bit. So your ability to modulate the craziness and also bring out the tenderness oh, too was just yeah what was your i just can i can
7: i ask that question? Of course, thank you. Yeah, what was uh, what was your pro- process in like create creating this guy it, I, I at first i thought ooh, it, it's really difficult to play people who have uh, I, I don't like to say crazy mm-hmm. people who who are, who are, uh, crazy. have very difficult <laughs> <laughs> You're crazy, man. You're crazy.
3: Come on now, Reggie. You're crazy. I know I'm
7: crazy, but that's a whole different story. But I wanted to make it as, as real as possible and as organic, and so there's t- it's it's difficult to explain. Wow. What you do without sounding completely stupid? Yeah. <laughs> so the main thing. Well, we
5: I've... love this laugh. Hold <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah. that because I just say the very first day I'm in the makeup trailer, and I'm like, okay, trying to like get in a mood, and I hear this. who ho. <laughs> <laughs> like, the hell just entered the room. <laughs> anyway, yeah.
7: anyway. But, okay, go ahead. Uh, my grandfather used to scare me. He called me boy until he died. At any rate, uh, <laughs> I, I tried to find stuff that was going to be organic and stuff that was going to 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 be uh, without giving too much away. I, I had a relative who who had some difficulties, and so I. I,
6: I, <laughs> <laughs>
7: <laughs> I based it on him. I was, the, the kind of physical things he would do. And then George would say crazy. <laughs> He's definitely crazy. George would, would say, okay, I need more, I need less, or Ooh, we'll never do that again. <laughs> you know what you just did there? Never, nah. ever again. <laughs> and since we've known each other for thirty years, it was easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was so easy.
5: The pitchfork up his ass day was a tough day, right? But it's when <laughs> totally you enjoy a pitchfork. Yes. Huh?
6: <laughs> <laughs> oh,
5: no, that no. was a tough day <laughs> It was raining, it was going to be at the It would be in the middle of the scene then
7: And I would say, where's my bitch
5: for? <laughs> <laughs> and George would
7: say, not yesterday
6: <laughs> 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 okay. We're good guys No, we got here oh. we got it
2: Karen Pittman is a stage, film, and TV actress. Born in Mississippi and raised in Nashville, Pittman received a Bachelor of Science in Voice and Opera at Northwestern University and an MFA from NYU's Graduate Acting Program. Pittman has portrayed the character of Jory in the 2012 Lincoln Center production of Disgraced and has performed in FX Network's The Americans and you know her best as Inspector Priscilla Ridley on Marvel's Luke Cage. Welcome to this special segment of the Black Girl Nerds podcast. My name is Jamie. I'm your host. Very excited because listen, if you are a fan of Marvel's Luke Cage... You already know who this guest is because this show has, you know, it's resonated with so many of us. We live tweet it, we've watched it at home, we're talking about it, and we've read many of the comics. Um, But this particular character, the character of Inspector Priscilla Ridley, uh, we're going to talk to actress Karen Pittman, and she's known for more than just Luke Cage. She is an actress, and she's a star of you know various films, television shows, and the stage. So, Karen, thank you so much for coming on the
8: Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Thank you for having me. This is a real treat for me. I've been following you guys since um, the... Uh, show premiered last year on September 30th, Marvel's Luke Cage, and um, I have just been h- hoping that somebody would ask me to talk on this podcast. <laughs> oh, wow! <laughs> finally, someone someone emailed me, named Jamie. So I'm so happy. <laughs> to be here. I'm so happy to finally talk to you guys, and and your perspective really matters. I mean. A lot of people pay attention to what, what you guys uh, say about these great comics and what you what you think about them. And at a time where diversity and inclusion really matters, your voice is important. So I thank you for, for what you guys uh, do.
2: Oh, thank you so much. That means so, so much to us. And also very happy to have Karan as our co-host tonight. Thank you, Karan,
0: for
8: coming on the show.
0: Oh, thank you.
8: <laughs> Black girl magic. Yes. 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 yes.
2: So, Karen, tell us because I'm always curious to know how actors get accepted on different projects. Can you kind of walk us through how you got the role of Inspector Priscilla Ridley on Marvel's Luke Cage? And
8: did you read any of the comics? I, you know, I had not read any of the comics, and when I had been a, when I went into Uh, the casting director's office. Her name is Julie Schubert. Um, At the time, the show was called Tiara. And because I hadn't read any of the comics, I did not know what that referred to or what it could possibly refer to. I was familiar with uh, Daredevil and um, i had seen Jessica Jones. um, But I did not know that Tiara was Luke Cage. I just knew that I'd spent a lot of time in Julie's office auditioning for lots of different parts on Luke Cage, including the part of Mariah. Wow. Um, they, of course, went with um Alfred Woodard, and who wouldn't?
6: Because <laughs> <laughs>
8: <laughs> When I read that, I was like, well, I would have gone with Alfred Woodard. I wouldn't have gone with me. I would have gone with Alfred Woodard, too, if it was up to me. But um, so i I went in like every actor does when they're auditioning for a part. I went in with with what I had, what I, what my thoughts were about the character. And um, what my thoughts were about the tone of um, the piece, which I had sort of derived from watching Jessica Jones, uh, because the tone is very specific on on Netflix, on the Marvel Netflix shows. Um, they're very serious. They're very solemn. Um, every frame looks like if you stopped it, it could be a, a comic book frame, right? It yeah. could be one of those rectangles or squares that just every, every single frame. It's just so rich in color and in storytelling. And, uh, so, uh, uh, I didn't really know any of the actors working on it except for Mahershala Ali, who went to the same grad school that I I went to NYU. Oh, wow. um, oh I love him. <laughs> yeah, he's great. Yes, he's he great. Is. He um, is. And of course, <laughs> <laughs> and of course, I knew who Alfred was. Um, so uh, I I got introduced to it. And of course, Marvel is very quiet about how uh, very hush hush about their their. Um, um, their episodes, so I didn't know any. I got a little snippet of the uh, scene that I was to do, but I I did not even I did not get the the side to print out. The side is the actual excerpt from the scene. Um, I didn't get that to print out. I had to write it down on a piece of paper and then you know learn it from a piece of paper um, you can't download or, or, or you know keep any of the scripts on your hard drive it immediately destructs do you know what I wow. mean um, Marvel's not It's quiet. very intense no, <laughs> no they don't they really don't they want to keep that stuff very close to the chest and it was important and it just fires your imagination too because really there are only a few people maybe you know three dozen people maybe that know that it's shooting that know what the world is like and it mm-hmm. just makes you all a very tight community but it also really fires your imagination your desire to invest in what the other people are doing on it it just makes it a really um it's just a, a fun set when you go on it because so few people know about it
2: that's so interesting that the alias for the show is called tiara
0: what? I, I
8: don't get the connection yeah i don't either
0: <laughs> that's, maybe it was random the
8: tiara Mm-hmm. I think that that is that that refers to the um, thing that was placed on Luke's head
6: when
0: he oh. was at the doctor's. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah.
8: Back in, right. uh, back in the lab. Uh, Got yeah, it. Back in, the in the lab. The, uh, or His or whatever. old school. His oh, old yes, school in the lab.
6: Mm-hmm,
8: mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, the, that was the code name for the show, Tiara. That's great. That was good. Yeah.
9: <laughs> <laughs> no one was looking for that. I love that. And I think
8: that. I think that, that was the only code name that actually had a reference to the comic itself. Yeah. Um, but there are code names for when Daredevil is shooting,
9: mm-hmm. code
8: names for when Jessica Jones is shooting and code names for Iron Fist as well. So mm-hmm.
6: Mm-hmm.
2: um so Luke Cage did something pretty remarkable in that it centered all of its black female characters, which is sadly it's a rare thing to see these days. So what was it about this role for you that was unique compared to the other roles you've done in the past?
8: Uh, well, I couldn't know the unique quality of the character until I met the actors I was working with. Right. Yeah. Because inspector Ridley was cut from new cloth she is not. you're not going to open up a Luke Cage comic and find this character in there. Right. So um, we, in, in the reflection, the, the reflection of this character um, is very clear in all the, the people are you know, all the characters around her. So very much in Simone Missick, we had a great chemistry on set. Um,
6: yeah.
8: yeah, I consider her to be a, a, a very good friend. Um, Alfrey Woodard was just so um, supportive. It was also a very, um, heated political moment while we were shooting it. This was, we were shooting this in early 2000, um, 15, yeah. Yeah. 2015, 16. When did that come out? The 2016 was when we were shooting this early 2016. So it was kind of one of those very heated political times. And we all had discussions about it in the, in the makeup room. Do you know, mm-hmm. um, Rosario had a lot of strong opinions about it. As you well know, she's right. very involved in, politically involved. Yeah. Um, so, we were all very strong women on set, and so when we brought these characters forward, it was very um, easy to tap into their strength, you know. I also think that that's a function of the writers. Um, yeah. Chao uh, didn't want to have any any wallflowers, you know, I don't think he knows any Black women who happen to be you know not strong one of the things that i thought was important to add though um are the nuances between what priscilla wants and the nuances between what simone wants you know Mm -hmm. genuinely they are both after the same thing which is the truth truth right misty knight says in the show i stalk it right i would say uh Inspector Ridley does not stalk anything, you know, (laughs) she's not stalking anything, but, um, I would say that she goes after it in her own way, you know, what, what the bottom line is. And, um, I wanted to make sure that that was shown, it was nuanced. And I think that people did get that, uh, although, uh, they work in the same precinct, they're both, um, police officers, they, they both are seeking to help and protect and serve their community, um, They're going about it in in very different ways. Uh, One of the traps uh, that I found that we were able to um, step aside from episode to episode was the trap of being petty and catty, Mm -hmm. having that kind of relationship show up on on screen. And there is room in the script for that choice to be made, you know. But I think between the two of us as actors and the director, uh, we really decided that we weren't going to break the spine of that relationship and make it into something that was not actually uh, constructive, useful to the storytelling. And I think a a kind of a petty back and forth between uh, Inspector Ridley and um, uh, Misty Knight would not have been useful. So I, I really think that what you see on screen for... Uh, Priscilla Ridley is a function of what the writers uh, came up with during uh, the season, what they felt like they needed, and what we created on set. Because, again, Marvel doesn't have a Priscilla Ridley in its comic books. So, um, uh, so, yeah, I think that that's where we landed with her.
0: Well, they do now, and you certainly have made your mark. And I have to tell you, Karen, I was... The, the diva in me recognizes the diva in you, and <laughs> I was just as pleased as punch when I discovered you and I have something in common, and that's okay. opera.
8: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes.
0: Do you still perform, and will we hear music from you in the near future?
8: It's so funny you should say that to me. I, I actually performed this past weekend on Easter, or no, Easter Vigil on Saturday oh, wow. night. I did. I did something from the Messiah and Aria. Um oh called I know that my redeemer liveth. Oh, and uh I love that. Yeah! and it's very you know, yes, I know, right? <laughs> I, <was> like, <laughs> I know that my redeemer liveth. And you know, I was trying to be real, I was it was hard for me not to riff on that right there. Do you know what oh I mean? Goodness, yeah. Because I know it. Do you know? Um <laughs> I'm very when much you know that you know, when you know, right. Um so yes i'm a christian but i'm also part part buddhist in that way um but um but that was the last time i did i did a little opera then i you know a lot of people don't know that i could sing that i started out as a a voice and opera major at northwestern and i finished there and got my degree because i haven't been in any musicals on broadway and or any of that. well i did I did do one musical, uh, but I was a cover for an actress who had the role. Mm-hmm. So I can't wait to do more singing. I really can.
0: I miss it I so really much. I really cannot.
8: I, I know so uh, much. I will say you got to work that muscle back up, though.
0: That is the truth, girl. Mm. You
8: can't just you can't just pop back up into an aria. It took <laughs> took me a couple of weeks to get that um, to get that going again. But but yeah, that's so great. Yes, thank you for mentioning that. I do sing. I want to sing more.
0: I'm I'm going to be following you because I'm going to be watching and listening. <laughs> I'm going to hold you to your word.
8: I don't have any singing things coming up, unfortunately. But hopefully you have Instagram. I do. I do. <laughs> what I mean is I don't have any singing roles coming. Oh, I have Instagram. You I can put some on Instagram real mm-hmm. quick. Is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. All
0: right. I'll have to think about that. <laughs> I'm pushy. Did they tell you? <laughs>
8: nah, I love it. I love it. Okay. So no, I and- need to.
0: If you were to put yourself in Priscilla Ridley's shoes and you were offering mm-hmm. advice to other women of color in law or in leadership, what would be your best advice about towing the line between supporting your own and covering your ass when it comes to issues like privacy or misogyny? Wow.
8: Supporting your own or covering your ass. Well, I certainly can apply that to uh, to my industry. Mm-hmm. um misogyny is rampant. Mm. Uh of course I think it's rampant in, in in most places what we've discovered um is that it's it's rampant in in every aspect of our our society right now. Um I I feel like it it really does come down to a question of um uh, money where you are um in the in the what do you call the thing on the totem pole? Mm -hmm. What do you call that?
0: The spectrum Um, or
8: the the further, the further down you are on the, on the pole of where of of hierarchy, the the harder you have to, the the closer you have to watch your butt,
0: you Mm -hmm. know, right.
8: Uh, But the higher you get up, uh, the less you can do so because you have more power. Um, I think really the important part is just to pull as many women up as you can. Right. Um, The question of whether or not you protect your butt or whether or not you, you know, uh, let some things go, I think can only be helped if you have a community around you. Right. Mm -hmm. Because no one does it alone. No one gets to move up higher on their own. Right. That's the truth. Um, So I think it's very important for all of us uh, to really start supporting each other, not to fall into um, competition. Or cattiness, that's not useful. That's not helpful. You know, I think it's important for us to uh, support each other in our community of women. You know, Um, I think that's important, especially between black women and white women, but, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. brown women and white women, um, Asian women and black women. You know, Mm -hmm. the struggles Mm -hmm. that Asian actresses have in my uh, part of the industry are the struggles that I have. I don't see any difference between, you know, what. Lucy Liu or Taraji Henson or um, any other uh, actress of color has to deal with. So as long as we form a tight community around each other, I think that is the answer to um, social and economic power. I think women have a lot of um, soft power right now. We, we have yeah. knowledge and we're smart and we are uh, capable of making great decisions. We add a lot of Intelligence and um, color to discussion when we are involved, but we don't have the hard power, which is the money, the the status. You know, we need a lot more of that. So, um, um, and that requires us to pull other people up. So, um, no matter what industry we are in, I think the important thing is to bond with each other and to create a strong community. I think that is
2: so on point because I just think about, you know, the whole crabs in a barrel mentality. It just it doesn't. Do anything for anybody and when we when we create opportunities for ourselves and for others it just allows us to be able to grow and expand and and be able to do more work like i think about ava duvernay and the work that she's doing with queen sugar that's a beautiful thing to see so many it black is. women getting these opportunities to direct these projects and um i had many many months ago interviewed victoria mahoney and and you know she we were talking yeah. about the struggle like the struggle is real and now because she got that opportunity by Ava to direct an episode on Queen Sugar now she's being afforded more opportunities with working with Shonda Rhimes on Scandal and other projects and i just think that that's a beautiful thing And when Shonda you do opened that. that
0: door for Ava.
2: And Shonda did the same thing. So yep. like when we give each other a space to grow and to have those opportunities it just it actually it helps things. It doesn't hinder you. It's not an infringement upon your space. I, I just never understood that mentality with the whole competition thing.
8: Well, you know, it's it's as actresses, it's rampant. Do you know there really are very few opportunities for us as African American actresses. Uh, for, no matter what your uh, what color you are, right. or race yeah. or what have you, there aren't very many opportunities for you, and even fewer if you are an African American actress. And if you can imagine. Imagine even fewer if you are an Asian American. Actress. Yeah, because all of their roles I mean, get whitewashed. Um, <laughs> or, or our roles. I mean, they're, they're, we talked about in this last pilot season where um, there were roles that should have gone to Latino or African Americans that actually went to white people. There are lots of shows like that, that people actually don't hear about where where that matters. So I think especially with actresses, we are the lowest people on the totem pole. So Mm -hmm. sharing information, gender equality is not, is is a real thing with us to bond up together and demonstrate that we're going to take care of each other means sharing information. And that's a lot of it. Like I'm not going to tell her how much I make. I'm not going to tell her what I'm doing over here. I'm not going to tell them what's going on over there to protect ourselves. And that actually doesn't help um, that doesn't help us as a group. I'm sure it doesn't help in any industry, right? It doesn't matter mm-hmm. if you're an attorney. It doesn't matter if you're working in law enforcement. Um, the idea of sisterhood, which of course we we talk a little bit about on Luke Cage, mm-hmm. um, in humor, in jest, do you know, um, it really does matter. It really does. I mean, and African-American women are on the forefront of that. I mean, there is a reason why there was a woman who scaled... A flagpole to get that. Do you remember this woman? What's her name? I forget. Bree Newsome.
0: Bree Newsom. That's Newsome, right. Yeah.
8: She took the flag down. There wasn't some white woman going up and get it. Black women do that all the time. There's a reason all why the there's time. a Sojourner yes. Truth, a Harriet Tubman, a Michelle Obama, a, a Brie Newsom, a Rosa Parks. We usually are on the forefront of making change in our society. And I think that that's, that's what it's going to be as far as economic. Disparity, hard power, soft power. I, I really do believe we're going to be the people who lead the change. So um
9: And even yeah, when we unknowingly sure.
2: even when we unknowingly like because I, I just recently watched the Henrietta Lacks movie that Oprah Winfrey is starring. Sure. In. Like yes, even in those yes. moments we're still creating magic in this world with her with ourselves, her a- you know?
8: Like Absolutely. And that's a tragic that's a tragedy. That's right? I mean yeah. in some ways. And men, in some ways, for that family, it was a terrible tragedy that just keeps playing itself out because they haven't really been paid. From that,
0: right?
8: Right? Right? Um, they have no economic uh, power from from them having used uh, their mothers, their sisters, their grandmothers' cells for for decades. Exactly. So, um, so yeah, there's much to, that's a that's a big question. That's a loaded question, <laughs> but um, yeah it's an important thing to talk about and to, and to get out there. Um, yeah.
2: So Alfrey Woodard, so far as I know, I could be mistaken. Feel free guys on Twitter. Cause you know, you like to, well, actually me. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> So far, Alfre Woodard, I believe is the only black woman um, who is playing a fictional character in the Marvel cinematic universe. Who's done, two different roles at the same time she was in civil war um and then also black mariah and luke cage so Uh with your character inspector ridley if there was another marvel character that you could play who would it be oh shoot shitty shit
8: shit (laughs) um i mean luke cage
0: I heard that, girl.
8: Really? Okay. I heard that. I would like to know why. W- why you look good
0: in yellow, too. <laughs> I
8: don't. Cause, number one, because I look good in sunflower yellow. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because yellow looks good on the brown skins. That's that um, is true. Back I, I, uh, you know, I, I, I agree with him. I agree with him. Yeah. I really do. I think that what they're saying with Luke Cage is the right is the right thing.
0: Um,
8: this idea of a reluctant hero, of people who end up doing something that they never think that they would ever do, being, you know, as you go through life, being gifted with something that you don't, um, that you consider to be a burden, but at some point in your life, you find out that actually... It is a superpower, and this is why I think Luke Cage is so important, because you go through your life accumulating all kinds of experiences and, and feeling like, yeah, they, they, they drag me down or they're burdensome or they're going to keep me from doing things in my life. And in actuality, they give you enormous superpowers, right? And this is the thing that um, Luke figures out somewhere in the middle of the season. I can do something with this stuff they have given me that this life has given me. I thought it was a left turn. Actually, it's a right turn into doing this good thing for the world. And I'm a single mother. So this isn't a life that I probably would have wanted for myself, right? I wouldn't see, you know, two children, single mother living in New Mm -hmm. York City and an actress, you know, um, certainly deal with my my fair share of challenges. You know, my birthday is tomorrow. And one of the things that they don't tell you- Thank Happy you. Birthday. Thank you. Great. I'm turning 29 again. You're I a fellow know, one
2: of the... Th- right. <laughs> so you're a fellow Taurus.
8: I'm an Aries. Actually. Oh, no, you're an Aries. Oh, you just made it. You just made it. Yeah. Just made it in. Um, I just made it. If it was April 19th, I would... Yeah, I wouldn't have made it. I was supposed to be a Taurus. So, um, but... Um, one of the things they don't tell you when you become a mother and certainly a single mother is that you really don't get birthdays anymore. Cause you, Lord, know, you sort of truth. have to, sh- isn't it girl? <laughs> yeah. They don't tell you about parent teacher conferences. They tell mm-hmm. you about how cute the babies are and oh, it's going to poop. And, but then they don't tell you that you have to sit in front of another human being. And they tell you, well, your daughter is doing great or your son is doing horrible or what kind of parent or, you know, that kind of thing is, they don't tell you all that stuff, but you find over time that through the experiences you have, you you certainly are challenged initially, but you grow, and they become yeah. the biggest um, gift that you have been given in your life, and they end up inspiring other people to do things as well. So that's why Luke Cage is, I think, um, uh, the role that I would I would love to have because I think I, I I really there's a lot of fertile ground in me for that, and a lot of a lot, and, and you know, he likes to, you know have a lot of sex, which is not. I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay.
0: No, don't be kidding about that. We don't kid. We don't joke about that.
8: Let's just say she no he, he gets it seriously. In. He gets it. He gets it in.
0: He does. I wouldn't
8: mind being to demonstrating that the black women get it in too. We don't. My, mind
2: that I am shipping him and Misty. <laughs> I'm
8: shipping that. Please, season
2: two. I need to see more of that.
0: <laughs> well, i hope I you know so,
2: how too. i feel yeah.
6: <laughs>
8: wouldn't be a bad idea so uh so yeah i'm excited to see what season two is gonna look like it was exciting i'm excited to see it i have no idea but i'm excited to see it <laughs> before y'all sneak in a question i was gonna ask answer, are you guys gonna be just... filming soon Let me say that I don't know. Oh oh, Well, I don't actually, I don't know. I I know know it's being worked on. All I know is that I'm not, I've not yet been asked to be in, in the second season of Luke Cage. I would love to be in the second season of Luke Cage. And we would love Um, to see you in the second season of Luke Cage. Yes. Thank you. That's very kind of you. Um, But I do have a couple of projects coming up, which I'm very excited about. Um, Um, but I don't know if Luke Cage is one of them yet. So we'll see. But um, yes, there is one superhero that I would like to do uh, another superhero. It would be Luke Cage.
0: Would now, be- Karen, out of yeah. all of the wonderful Chao things- I bet
8: Cheo tunes. <laughs> <laughs> what about Cheo? Hello? Yeah. I'm sure Cheo listens to this. And I'm sure he'll be interested to hear that.
6: <laughs> I
2: will come <laughs> to the show. I will, I will make sure I tag him on Twitter so he listens to this episode. <laughs> mm-hmm.
5: <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> Give him
8: some
0: ideas. <laughs> yes.
8: Ch-O listens. He really does. He pays a lot of attention to what you guys think. So.
0: Now, Karen, out of all of the wonderful things that Luke Cage is, what was the best part for you about being a part of this series?
8: Well, the collaboration, without a doubt. Yeah, meeting Simone and Mike and Alfrey and Rosario and Theo and Cheo and all the writers, um, the DP. The, it's a it's a community. It's a family over there. I mean, they've worked on two or three different series at this point. So they have it down. Do you know what I mean? And um, they're able to flip and change and and shift and do what they need to do. Um, hair, makeup. It's just there's nothing better than bringing everything you have to a set, and the people who also work there are inspired by what you want to bring, and they bring their best too. And that's true for that set without a doubt. Um, With the writing, you know, I went in very much like, "What can I do?" And they're like, "Well, what do you want to do?" And I was like, "Well, what do you think about this?" And like, "What do you think about that?" You know, that's the kind of um, work that I love to do, um, there's no one character that I would say is my favorite over the body of work that I've done. But I will say that there are certain um, communities of actors and artists and writers that I enjoy working with more than others just because we are, are reaching for the same thing. And that is to tell the best story we can. And I think that's part of the reason why Luke Cage resonated so Deeply with people, um, because it came straight from Cheo's heart, but also that everyone else was invested in telling the best story to inspire the audience, and um, that's that sounds like very grandiose and speaking <laughs> from the macro. But um, <clears throat> the real, the real work is the day to day coming in, doing your work. Er- I mean, Everybody was just doing their work, do you know? And that's where you really see that whole um, inspiring story come to life, you know, in the in the big grandiose uh, thing that is uh, American television, that is Marvel's cinematic universe. That's where you see it come to life when people start putting their, their best forward every day. And I love that. I work very hard. I love working hard um, and it's a challenge, but I love a challenge. Um, as uh, Maya Angelou says, still I rise, <laughs> you know. <laughs> if I can get a Maya Angelou quote in here. Um, yes. It, it, why not? Uh, but yeah, no, that, that's what I would say was the best part about working on on Luke Cage. Every day, we, we had a good time because we were all about telling a great story.
2: And there's such good people that work over there. I had the pleasure of meeting some of the the cast and the crew, and there's just so many good people. Like Simone is so sweet. Theo is adorably sweet. Cheo is everything. Like they are a really good team of folks. So
8: yeah, and the crew. I man. mean, it's. The, I mean, we don't talk a lot about um, the crew as far because they're not in front of the camera. But really, just top notch. And to talk about diversity and inclusion, I mean, uh, there wasn't. There wasn't a lot of effort that had to be made because it was a given to walk on the set and and see you know African American writer an African American you know uh, director I mean it was a given and and uh, I think uh, you know you can just expect more of that from Cheo because I know he's all about that.
2: That's what's up. So you had mentioned that you've got some other projects in the works. So. Tell our listeners where can, we can find more about your
8: projects. Well, I just recently finished an episode of Elementary, which I'm really excited about. Oh. and it was directed. Yeah, it was directed by Lucy Liu, who I did not know. Wow, was a director. Yeah, I know. Did I not know, know she was a director. Either. Wow, uh, she's fantastic. She's great. Um, and uh, I am. Doing uh, an episode of Girlfriend's Guide to Divorce with. Um, oh, yeah, I've uh, heard of that. Yeah, yeah that's it's fantastic.
0: It's funny. It's, oh it my is gosh.
8: funny. And I play Retta's sister
0: in, in the show.
8: <laughs> and uh, if, if any of your <laughs> listeners follow that show, they'll know what I did. Um, so it's going, to, it's going to be interesting to see how that episode uh, turns out because there's already sort of a history to what I've done to you know, read his character. Uh, um, and I'm working on a play this summer at Lincoln Center for Dominique Morisot. Fantastic playwright. She's also a writer on the TV show, Shameless. Um, oh. And the director is Liliana Blaine Cruz. And it's a play called Pipeline. It's about a woman who's managing her son, her young son, a black mother who's managing her son. And he's wilding out and she's, she doesn't know what to do about it. And this is not a story we see very often, you know, story about black women as mothers and what we go through. It's a very unique experience. And so I'm very happy to bring it to New York Theater. It'll be uh, in the Mitzi Newhouse Theater there. And, um, again, it's just, you know, no other um, actress could do it but an actor. African American actress. It is unique to our experience, and I have not seen enough of it on stage. So, um so that's going to be a lot of fun for me to do. And I have another project in the works that I can't tell you about it because it's yet to be announced. But by the time this comes out,
0: it will be announced. So,
8: tomorrow is my birthday. Mommy, are we going to go to our favorite restaurant? I'm like,
0: well, I am going to sing to you on your birthday tomorrow. Oh, I'm going to tag you on Instagram. What you? I, Would I you? will. I'm, going, I would to love that. That, I'm
8: because, going to do that. I'm going to do that. You know, women need to lift black women need to lift each other up. Yes. Uh, we do. Say that again. <laughs> black women need to lift each other up. Yes. Because it's a this is not an easy life. That's it's why I love Tracy enough. Ellis Ross and Ava DuVernay. Yes. And we're all we've got. You know what I'm saying? We're all we've got. It's
2: we we, we don't we have the no support from other folks to lift us up, so we have to
8: lift each other up.
0: So we busy supporting everybody. We
8: are,
0: hmm.
8: we are. It's it's amazing. I mean, I think you guys, Jamie and Karan, you guys would be be surprised at how many people are inspired by what you guys do and what oh. you guys say, and how big your voice is in the world, especially with African American women and in the community in general. Do you know? I mean, we yeah struggle to keep ourselves together um, as a group, as a family family, do you know, and keep us all on the same track. But the but the voices that we do have out in the world are really, really important. We pay attention to them. So I just want to lift you guys up and encourage you because
0: you inspire me. Um, Thank you so much. When I think about what this community has, has meant for me, I've been with Black Girl Nerds for just over a year now. And what this community um, has done for me and meant to my life, I mean, I just... I am rarely at a loss for words, but that is one subject you might choke me up.
6: Mm-hmm. It's just so
0: much. There's just so much because th- there's so few places we have where we're not just welcome, but we're valued and we're listened to. We have a place to listen and a place to speak and a place to be heard and to be loved for who we are, where we are at that time uh, with no other demands on us, except to be who we are right now. And, that just it it blessed my entire life in so many ways.
8: Yeah, I agree. Oh. I mean, there just aren't enough places where we can be, you know, there are so many stereotypes. So, and, and there's some truth in these types, right? Of who we are. We are stoic. We are strong. We are angry. We are, you know, the angry black woman, the strong. Mm-hmm. No, I'm ang- woman, I got the reason to be angry. Woman. Of course, right. I mean, those, there is truth in all of that. But there are so many different um, versions of mm-hmm. who we are. The truth of the matter is that we are all spirits walking around this world. We are covered with this skin, this gorgeous brown skin. And it doesn't mean that that's all that, all who we are. Um, that just means that this is is the garment that we've been given to wear in this world, right? And um, underneath that, we we can be anything, we we are anything we want to be. We are a black girl nerd. We are an angry black woman. We are a, you know, whatever, whatever we want to be. And we we need to have more room to um, be self-expressive, truthful to who we are. And um, this forum, this community really provides that. It says you don't have to be this to be black you don't have to be this to you don't have to fall in that to do this do you know what i mean and i i i think it's important very important i, I love that my daughter asked me before i got on the phone with you who are you who are you talking to mom i said i have to go talk to the black girl nurse. she said black girl nurse, what's that and i said let <laughs> me tell you what that is okay let me tell you because my daughter is a black girl nerd oh she really is she, go, she walks to the beat of her own drum.
0: I love she it. She really
8: does. And there are so many of us that have to be given room to do that. And,
0: um, and that's a testament to you as a mom, because it is so hard not to um, overimpose our own influence or allow them too much room so that the outside influence can get to them, but to give them enough room to be confident in who they are, to know, that's a testament to you as a mom. So great job, mommy. Oh, well, thank you. (laughs) I mean, that's,
8: that's part of how my my mother was with me
0: and uh, and
8: my mom and my dad were with me. I mean, they were, um, you know, my mother grew up the daughter of a sharecropper, Pitt Cotton. She's recently uh, deceased in November. She died on, um, election day and, uh, yeah, my brother joked. She wanted to get out of here because she heard about Donald Trump. <laughs> he heard Donald Trump. He was like, "Let me I'm this out." I'm out this piece. <laughs> Let me get out. Like, Hillary. What? But um, but she, you know, and my father uh, was the son of a longshoreman who died when he was 13, 14 years old. So it was that they they lived a very difficult life, but they had great ambition, and um, they were just, you know, they were kind of uh. Misfits in their own way. They they left Mississippi uh, early in the uh, early in the seventies to uh, create their life in Tennessee and uh, live through Jim Crow. You know, we are a striving community, and uh, I think it's important that we are as inclusive in our community as we want our world to look. Right. Um, so I grew up with parents who very much were felt that that was important for us to be who we are. So. Um, so I'm so glad for you guys. I really appreciate everything you do.
2: Thank, Thank you.
0: Dear.
2: Thank you very much. Ooh, about to come to some tears here.
0: <laughs> yeah, she can come to the round it. table anytime.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. happy to come to the round table. We would love <clears throat> you to come. Yeah. We talk about all kinds of things. So, okay. I will reach out to you on our next round table.
8: Hey. I'm so happy to do it.
2: All right, ladies. all right. Enjoy Thanks your birthday tomorrow.
8: Night. I will have a great night. You too. Bye bye. Okay. Bye.
2: The Black Girl Nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Broadnax. Various episodes are edited by Jamie Broadnax, Mr. Daniel, and John Bauer. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play Music,
0: Stitcher, Spreaker, and Spotify. That was a HeadGum podcast.